Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton, and I'm so happy that you are joining me today. I have a very special guest, my friend, Paul Gates. Paul is the executive director of River of Life Mission on Oahu in Hawaii. River of Life serves the homeless population and is the largest faith-based charity in the islands right now. And I tell you what, I had the opportunity to visit River of Life, get a tour from Paul and see exactly what they do, meet their staff and some of their volunteers. And they are some of the most generous, loving people uh, on the planet. They are being the hands and feet of Jesus to these lost sons and daughters who have found themselves on the streets and who are broken and need a touch from Jesus. They need a warm meal. They need to be looked in the eyes and uh, recognize that they are seen, they are known, and they are loved. And Paul's staff is just doing a tremendous job. And God's giving them incredible favor in the islands, and you'll hear more about that. Paul himself grew up as a son of missionaries. He has lived a life in service to Jesus as a pastor, as a coach, as a leader. Paul is a guy who lives his life on mission, and this is just the perfect place for him and his beautiful family, his wife Shauna and their kids. So this is a great conversation. We covered a lot of things, a bit of Paul's story, and really the things that God's stirring in him as he serves the homeless in the islands. So stick around at the end and I'll give you uh, their website and some really cool ways that you can support the ministry of River of Life in Oahu. And a quick side note, we were in Paul's office, which when I got home sounded like we were in the middle of the Vatican. It was an absolute echo chamber. So uh, we did some treatment to the sound that's a little wonky here and there, but it's okay because the content is amazing. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. Paul Gates. Hi. Hi. <laughs> welcome. I'm. So, why am I saying welcome? I'm in your office. We're welcome on, to my office. Welcome to your office. We're on Oahu. We are at River of Life, which is an incredible charity in the islands, and I'll let you talk a little bit about that. But so excited to be able to be here and visit you. You're new in this position, executive director of River of Life. You've been on Oahu for about four months or so. I'm excited for people to hear about what you're doing, what God's called you to, and all of that. But you have an incredible story. You're an amazing guy in person, and I would love for people to get to know you a little bit and to just hear about God's faithfulness through your journey. So wherever you want to start. I love, you know, my story and I always start with, you know, with people that I was born in Papua New Guinea, which yeah. is like this instant connection for people of either like, oh, that's really cool or oh, that's kind of weird. Like, where yeah. is that? Yeah, where, well, where is that? And a lot of people don't even know where it is. Um, but yeah, my parents were Wycliffe uh, Bible translators to Papua New Guinea. Yeah. And um, obviously I'm walking through a season right now, as you know, where my mom just had a stroke, you know, so you're going to yeah. kind of get the raw and real Paul Gates today. Um, we got a lot going on there. So I've heard additional stories, you know, about my mom even just, driving my dad back and forth to the hospital to see my mom 
And my dad told me that at that time in Papua New Guinea, that all the women that were pregnant and having babies were either flying to Australia Hmm. or flying back to the U.S. to have their babies. Nobody was having their babies in Papua New Guinea. Wow. And my dad told me that the reason my mom wanted to have give birth to me in Papua New Guinea is she did not want the ministry to stop. Wow. And so... You know, that's the heritage that I grew up in that I'm really proud of. Um, Not only having this cool story that people are intrigued by being born on an island, you know, called Papua New Guinea, but growing up in this family that was hugely dedicated to serving others. And I really believe that that's something that I'm still um, being mentored by my parents in even now. And so, yeah, I just love it. It's uh, just part of my history. And now we're sitting on an island again, you know, which yeah. is crazy. We're kind of giggling yeah. as we're sitting in Oahu. I know you have a lot of roots here as well, yeah. which is really cool that we're here together in Oahu now. But to be able to be back on an island and doing ministry to people that are desperately in need is just a pretty radical blessing for me. Yeah. Full circle yeah full circle blessing and it's interesting i think you know as you're talking about even discovering more about your parents and their heart and their passion for ministry and really there's there's this legacy this mantle of serving and really a passion for missions and for uh you've been a missions guy you know not just title on staff at a church somewhere it's part of your dna and yep. how god's really knit you together yeah but even that takes a lot of time and maturity in the lord to really mine out what that looks like mm-hmm. and how god has defined it for you for sure not dependent on your parents mm-hmm. or on a church staff position but really you as a son yeah who god loves and knit together what has he placed in you yeah so you've been on a journey to figure that out yeah and i think it started even early you know i went to biola and my dad was actually at one point asked to be the president of wycliffe and wycliffe's the second largest faith-based organization in the entire world so campus crusade is the largest and wycliffe is second largest as far as number of people serving and my dad was actually asked to become the president of Wycliffe. And it's actually a really another story about how amazing my parents are. Because my dad at the time, Wycliffe was realizing they weren't attracting young missionaries. Mm-hmm. And so they were going through an organization-wide emphasis to try and attract 20-something missionaries into Wycliffe. And so when they asked my dad to be president, he said, I actually think because you're going after this initiative to attract young missionaries that you should actually bring in a younger president Hmm. that could also attract younger missionaries. So my dad actually, I think in a lot of humility, took his name out of the hat for the betterment of the organization. And they actually brought in a younger president that attracted younger missionaries. And so my, but my parents were very well known. And so when I was coming out of Biola, everybody knew of my parents and were asking, Paul, are you going to go be a missionary? Yeah. And so I was, even in my early twenties, I was, I was juggling this wave of what is God calling me to do? 
and this wave of people saying, Paul, where are you going to go serve? Is yeah. it Africa? Is it back in, yeah, it's back in Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Um, maybe it'd be somewhere that, that has surf because yeah. I'm a surfer. <laughs> so I'm thinking about that, you know, but ultimately and it's really cool. And I think I've told you this before is what I realized is that the experience of serving had such a profound effect on my life that I wanted to, I felt like my call was to stay in America hmm. and actually help give people the same experience I had in serving and that kind of tip of the spear entry level experience into serving yeah. that might bring this radical richness to their life. Hmm. Well, after that, I stumbled into youth ministry started with three kids that eventually became 800 kids. It was almost like a small church. But even with a staff that was built up over years, I said, we're going to put all of our events and trips on a board for the youth ministry. And we did that. And I said, what we're going to do now is our serving and missions trips have to outweigh our fun trips, like our ski trips, our yeah wakeboarding trips and all that. And the staff just kind of immediately were like, oh, okay, that's what we're going to do. And so it was really cool that even in my 20s, number one, I felt a call to stay here and expose people to this beauty of serving yeah. that might have these profound lasting effects on their life. But even in youth ministry in my 20s, I said, I want to have the youth ministry be weighted in the way that we're more focused on serving and that's been one of the blessings of seeing a lot of those students still come back and say, Paul, like I'm still serving today because of the emphasis on all those serving events. You know, here I had this wave of influence to go do one certain thing, but I had this to back up and say, God, what are you doing for me? Yeah. Well, what are, what are you stirring in me? What's going to be my call in ministry yeah. And even though I was in my 20s and I don't know the breadth of what that looks like, maybe as I do today about prayer and having mentors that are encouraging you and, and fasting and all those things. But there was something in my 20s that caused me to take a step back hmm. and not listen to all the noise Yeah, and say, God, what are you doing for me? And I still believe I'm walking in that ministry journey yeah still today even from what was in my 20s yeah that's that's really good and and pretty profound because i think seeing a generation of kids growing up in the church it's hard to have that kind of place of delineation where your faith and your relationship with jesus needs to become your own where your call and your purpose needs to become your own. Yep. All of those things. And what I see right now, so we're similar age, although I didn't wasn't raised in a Christian home. Yeah. I you know, I felt like like twenty seven met somewhere. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I met Jesus when I was twelve and like 1980 parents weren't believers at all and so when i had kids it was like okay lord how for me and my family it was like okay how is jesus different than santa claus how is being a christian different than just a cultural we choose to live this way and i knew that uh, my kids i could 
raise a child the way that they should go and I could do all these things. But at the end of the day, they're going to have to have that moment where they choose, where they receive who Jesus is. You know, the same way, you know, my kids are like, oh, you're Norma Gina's daughter. How do you sing? You know, or whatever the case may be, you know, and yeah. they, they live with that weight. Yeah. But for you in your 20s to be able to have that moment of recognition that, okay, I need to not listen to the noise and I need to really lean into you, Lord. And what, what are you saying to me? Yeah. And then choose to take that step of faith that may not go with the crowd's expectation or presumption yeah. of what they think you should do or how you should do yeah. it. So that's a pretty significant. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you were saying that, and this is totally off the cuff is I think, you know, I've always been a pretty passionate person, as you know, sometimes yeah. a little wild, yeah. sometimes even wild and misguided, maybe, you know, and just like, oh, my gosh, hold on. Here goes Paul, you know, but um, that's OK. I've, yeah. just, I've just learned like, that's OK. That's who I am. And I'm just going to, you know, I mean, it sounds totally worldly, but I'm just going to rock what God gave me. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking like passion, the word passion. And I've always had a lot of passion in my life. And I think there's something where the church and Christian organizations and Christianity in large, I think at some points has struggled with people's individual passion. Yeah. Because they think the only way to serve the Lord looks like this. Yeah, it's good. Or the only way to live out your Christian faith looks like this. Yeah. And I think, you know, right now, we're coming into a beautiful season where people are really willing to say, no, those passions, gifts, talents that God's given you, those things that just stir in you at night and in the morning and yeah. just drive you. Could you use those things for the kingdom yeah. and to share Jesus? And the answer is absolutely. Yeah. It used to be if you were a surfer. And you, you know, I was meeting with Tom Bauer, who runs Surfing the Nations, this massive ministry now affecting young people all over the world. And when he first started Surfing the Nations, everyone told him, why? Like, this is so foolish. Like, why would you work with surfers? Yeah. All they want to do is surf and stick their feet in the sand. But Tom was like, no, surfers are actually some of the hardest working people on the planet. They don't mind getting dirty and grubby. Yeah. And so they'll go to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And he's stuck with it. And so I think we're in this new season where if you're a surfer, a skateboarder, an artist, a musician, could God use that for the kingdom? Yeah. Absolutely. If that's what you're passionate about and you're also equally or first and foremost passionate about your relationship with Jesus and how he could use you being the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. Like, can you mesh all those things? Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think before passions were just seen as this radically worldly thing. What we're saying now is discover your passions. Yeah. And mesh those with what Jesus is doing in your life. Yeah. And see the beauty that can come Absolutely. out of it. And that's something that I think that that I get excited about. 
it's your passion, it's your gifting, it's even your your life experience and yeah. and how you're uniquely made, right? And I, yeah. I agree with you. I think especially in maybe the last twenty years, there's been this presumption that if if what I have to offer doesn't fit within the programs or what the church is doing, then it's not worthy of kingdom work, yep. you know, and, and that's uh, the beauty of this is that box is being blown totally wide, wide open. open. Yeah. Right before we started recording, we were talking about the gift of COVID yep. as hard as it's been. It's also this disruption has been such a gift. I and agree really removing the dependence on the people, the programs and all of those things and putting the work of the ministry and the church back in the hands of sons and daughters. But in order to do that, they have to believe and trust their identity. And that's you and me, you know, we're not, it's not talking to someone else. It needs to start with us, right? That I recognize and trust my identity, that you recognize and trust your identity. And recognize there's an invitation from the Lord to with him venture on those things, on those passions, on those dreams. Mm -hmm. And so that's what God's doing with you right now, Yeah, which is pretty amazing. Why don't you share a little bit of how you ended up here and then what River Life is doing? Yeah. And just to bridge off of what you were just saying is I try and put, you know, a positive spin on everything. I've, I've even been called the mayor of Utopia, which Wait, that's one of my, yeah, one of no. my nicknames <laughs> is I know you probably remember, but I just always have felt this. We live in a world of such negativity yeah, and it's all around us. And drama is what fuels the news even, you yeah. know, and so I just want to be this positive person. And I do think COVID has been an incredible gift And I think there's been this radical paradigm shift where the church used to, you know, let's offer all these programs so everybody comes to us. Yeah. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and nobody was coming. Yeah. And so then they're like, okay, now we got to flip and go out. And that's the way it should be. And I think, you know, a lot of it is, is people are realizing that individuality is a huge thing. It's not a worldly thing. It's a Christ given thing for us to all be different. Yeah, and good. individuality is important. And I think for a lot of years, people were in churches and organizations where individuality was not supported very well. Yeah, it's good. And so I think now people are realizing that we have to embrace individuality. And that's where in the Bible, I say there's a lot of great examples of wells and mm-hmm. Jesus ministered to wells. But there's even more examples of rivers mm-hmm. and rivers of life. Yeah. And that's where I think when we're going out and doing ministry out and embracing individuality and passions that people have and meshing that with the calling of Jesus in their life, we can have radical ministry anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. And I'm really blessed by that. Shauna, my wife and I were just praying about potentially staying in the area we were in and doing ministry or in church ministry and, um, or potentially, you know, coming to why. And so we were praying about that. And the biggest thing, you know, we talked about this earlier is just prayer. You know, we really were praying, you know, I was running a nonprofit on my own and loving it, you know, and and great success there, but I was missing working with a team Yeah, and I'd worked with a team my whole life. So that was kind of, yeah. So that was (laughs) kind of, but you get that even in this, you know, which is cool. But just you know that God was moving that in us to start praying again and looking at a team. Yeah. And so God just through almost miraculous 
schedule of events connected us with River of Life Mission. I really didn't know much about the organization, but I put my name in the hat and all of a sudden I had an offer from a, an incredible church and River of Life Mission. And we had a choice to make. And we prayed and fasted and just felt like God was calling us here to Oahu to minister to people desperately in need, the poorest of the poor, people yeah. living on the streets, the homeless. And so I literally accepted the position and flew two days later wow. and took over basically the oldest and most storied and biggest Christian nonprofit in all the islands. Wow. And I don't even know if I really knew that. Yeah. Even when I accepted the position and I have to tell you, when I showed up here and started rubbing shoulders with this incredible team, I just was like, thank you, God. Yeah. Like nothing short of miraculous. Yeah. Cause I'd gone through a ministry season that wasn't pretty, mm -hmm. wasn't easy, was pretty rough. Yeah. And even at the point of where Sean and I were going, okay, God, like, are we really supposed to stay in ministry? Because right now it's, it wasn't easy it was really really rough yeah really rough and we were just kind of like maybe god's calling us out yeah you know and then all of a sudden after four years i think of really hard hard times god saying nope i want you in ministry and here you go yeah and that was river of life mission and I absolutely love what we do. I could go on and on about what we do, but we're seeing radical miracles here already yeah. because of prayer. We're seeing people on the streets reunited with their family. Yeah. People flown off the island reunited with their family. Um, we're seeing radical miracles, even way beyond that. You know, I have tons of stories, but um, it's just been so evident that this was what God was doing. And it hasn't been easy. We've had incredible attack from the enemy. Yeah. We've had people being injured and out for a month on the job here. You know, we've had injuries in our family. Um, we've had significant attack, spiritual attack, just crazy stuff. But we're pressing on. Yeah. We're trusting the Lord. It's actually kind of bonding us as a team. We're kind of in the tip of the spear in ministry here in Hawaii. And so we love people praying for us and just supporting us in what we're doing. But um, it, it's wild right now. Yeah. But we're still, we're bonding together. We're unified. We're trusting in the Lord and, and God's doing some radical stuff. So we're so good. You gave my daughter Carly and I a tour right before <laughs> yep. we started this. Yep. And, you know, meeting every one of these precious people here who are giants in the kingdom. Yep. And nobody will most likely know their names, but they're serving with so much love and integrity and strength and confidence in what God's called them to do. And, you know, you feed what a thousand people a day, Yeah, um, a thousand people a day. And, yeah. and just see uh, Carly use the word intentionality, just the very, the intentionality and it's intimate intentionality. It's not just intentionality for the masses. It's intentionality for each one, each person, which we call is, our guests. Yeah. And I just love that. When I came in as a mission, you know, there's so many, organizations and even ministries on the island that call people clients yeah yet river of life mission we call them our guests yeah. and they know them all by name and even noel who we just sat with who does custom bags of clothes clothing for every person by name and it was so yeah. cute to hear her say you know but 
And it's important for the women because yeah. they the like particular, certain, yeah, the yeah. particulars, they like certain colors and they need certain items, which I don't even understand all that, <laughs> but you're a woman. I don't. Um, and so, but she makes custom bags with their own name on the bag Yeah. with this intentional care. Yeah. You know, That's, so, so you know, cool. it's, I think that it's easy to serve or want to go minister to the needy and kind of go give or serve in a place where it's a donation to the masses. I'm not saying that as a criticism, but I'm saying that there's something so powerful about how in this place, with how this ministry functions, the mission isn't just to clothe, feed, and shelter it's that every person is seen, mm -hmm. known, and loved. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is the grand place of healing. That is the place of miracles. That's the place of God doing things beyond just taking care of my physical needs, right? Mm -hmm. When I recognize that I'm seen, when I recognize that I'm known, and when I recognize that I'm loved. And... Um, those are the places that strongholds are torn down. And you shared with me yesterday, we got to hang out with the turtles That's up right. on the North Shore and um, have a conversation. And you were talking about the the four kind of tenets of, of this. And, mm -hmm. and I would love for you to unpack that a little bit because you are dealing with, there's a lot of people here that you serve that have been homeless for you know 20 years, 30 years, 12 years, whatever the restoration of family. And that can take on two forms. There's obviously spiritual family and kingdom family and new family, mm -hmm. but then there's also those family of origins and those broken places being restored. Yeah. So yeah, family just has been a huge emphasis. And since I've been on the Island, just realizing that river of life is such a known organization, you know, just being on the radio, being on the news, being interviewed frequently and all those things. I was actually driving over the, the mountains, the gorgeous mountains of God's country to be interviewed on news. And I was praying as I was driving and I've been asked, you know, hundreds of times, even in my first four months here, what's the solution for homelessness? And I've been asked that my whole life because I started doing homeless ministry, even in my twenties, you know, but I knew I was going to be asked it again. And as I was driving over the mountain and a lot of this, I have to tell you was through prayer but also seeing the River of Life staff in action. Yeah. And as you said, you know, just how you've seen, even just in your brief time here, how the staff brings such an amazing warmth to this ministry of making sure people know that they're known mm -hmm. and they're seen yeah. and they're heard and understood. And if I even said those things to the staff here, because they're such just simple people, they wouldn't even, they're like, what are you talking about? They have zero strategies. Yeah. They have no methods. They don't have three steps, five steps, 10 steps. They just, they just do it. Yeah. All they do is try and say, I'm going to just live out my love for Jesus. Yeah. It's good. Towards these people. And it's profound. Yeah. But going back to that, I was driving over the mountain and I knew I was going to be asked that question. I just felt like God just said to me, Paul, it's just family. The yeah. solution to homelessness is family. Mm. And I go, I was like, okay, well, what is that? And I, Felt like God saying, look, dude, you know, you can have all these programs again, 12 step or celebrate recovery, or, and I'll talk about that a little bit in a minute, you know, or 
help with rapid rehousing or things like that to help people get housing again, get jobs again and all those things. But really a lot of people end up bombing out of programs, right? They don't stick with them. But the, the one people group that can help people the most is their own family, is their own flesh and blood. And I just, I believe that God was just kind of saying that to me. And there's something about blood, you know, where you, it's, it's Ohana. It's the Hawaiian way really of Ohana family and, We'll always be there for one another. And so I'm driving over and I start getting interviewed and there's people behind the cameras and there's a guy interviewing me. And then very early in the interview, I just said, you know, I know I'm going to be asked at the end of this, what the solution for homelessness is. And I just said, and I just want to tell you, I feel like God gave me the answer this morning. And the interview guy kind of sat back in his chair. In fact, all the people behind the cameras popped their heads around the cameras, kind of looking at me like, yeah, like wait, did what? he really just, yeah, did he really just say that? Yeah. And it was awesome. It's kind of like this little, you know, I'm about to drop a bomb in the room, but I'm not going to do it yet, you know? And so they're like, okay. So we went through this whole interview and it was almost two hours of interviewing. Wow. And at the end of it, the guy stops and he goes, you told us at the beginning that you have the answer and the solution to homelessness. And he goes, I've been thinking about it the entire time. He goes, what is it? And I said, you're going to think it sounds crazy. It's just one word and it's so simple, but I do believe it's the solution for homelessness. And he goes, what is it? And I go, it's family. And he goes, I think you're right. (laughs) And I go, what do you mean by you think I'm right? He goes, I've heard about all these programs. Yeah. I've been a part of all these programs. I've interviewed people for all these programs. They're great. And we don't want to do away with them. I go, you're right. We don't want to do away with them. Right. They're all tools, right? We need tools in our tool belt to help people. But, but the ultimate best place to start is with family. And so I came back to the mission and shared this with the staff. We started praying about it. And our staff started thinking, how could, how could I actually start connecting some of these people on the streets back with their family? Mm-hmm. And so we've actually, it's slow work, but powerful work. We've had four people reconnected with their family yeah. in the last three months. Wow. Two of them have been flown off the island and fully back in a family home. One of those guys is a guy named Larry. Mm-hmm. Lenny started building a bridge with, with Larry he got Larry on some phone calls with some of his family. The, the family started going, well, what if we fly out there? Lenny's like, yep, fly out here. I'll reconnect you. I don't know where it's going to go. Well, his family is flying out here. Larry ends up falling off a wall, breaking his leg, breaking ribs, and ending up in the hospital. Oh, gosh. Well, our staff guy knows that when you're coming down off of alcohol addiction and you're in the hospital, you can wake up in the middle of the night, rip all your IVs out and just walk out the hospital and then they'll never find him again. Yeah. So our staff guy, Lenny, a married guy with a family says, I'm going to go sit in the hospital with him until his family shows up. Well. So Lenny goes and sits in the hospital with Larry to just hang out with him and be Jesus. Yeah. Well, then Larry's family shows up and they have to go into quarantine. So all of a sudden he's going, I've got 10 days now and I don't want to lose Larry because if he gets out of the hospital and even goes back on the streets, I may not be able to find him again. So he goes through three hours of phone calls and all of a sudden gets on a phone call with somebody and says, well, since they're quarantining for COVID and Larry is family, Larry can actually go quarantine with them 
Oh, wow. And so Lenny goes, awesome. But Larry doesn't have any form of ID to prove that he's family. <laughs> so Lenny goes, I'm going to go get Larry from the hospital. I'm going to go get him an ID that's suitable enough to prove that he's family. Takes a whole nother day with, with this homeless guy to get him an ID to prove that he's family and gets him into quarantine wow. with an uncle and I think a brother. And they sit in quarantine together, get to know each other again after 20 years. Wow. And Eleni ends up taking him to the airport, gets a picture of them at the airport with Larry to fly him off the island. And they send him a picture in North Carolina at the airport there. And he's in a family home back with his family. Wow. And then Larry sent us a letter, this crassly short written little handwritten letter. And he said, Dear River of Life Mission, thank you for 20 years of generosity. Wow. Larry. Wow. And we got this letter and we, we seriously all cried. Yeah. We were like, that's what it's all about right there. Yeah. And so we're working with a few others. We have a guy right now, Orlando, who is a, a world champion boxer. He fought with Muhammad Ali and had a ton of money. Uh, but because of family rift, yeah. He ended up on the streets. And that's what it is, is a lot of times when we talk start talking to people about what about your family? Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. Because this little rift, which was typically something so minute and small, and you know how this works with families, sometimes it's a little little thorn yeah. that all of a sudden becomes this wedge and then there's no going back. I can't connect with my family. And Orlando was in that situation. But one of our guys, again, through social media, connected him with his family, got him on a Zoom call where Orlando hadn't seen some of his family for 25 years. Wow. And all of a sudden, he's crying, and his family's crying, and yeah. he's still in process of being reconnected with his family. But it's just this God-given, through prayer focus that we've decided to take on as a mission yeah. to focus on family reuniting people on the streets with their family because there's no one like blood to take care of you. Let's break through those wedges yeah. that have been built up through years and just get them in conversation again yeah. and see what God can do. And it's just been powerful, but it's been really cool too, Gene. I was, you know, I was telling the staff one day in a, in a meeting, this is important for me as a leader as well, because I don't want to just go out all over these Hawaiian islands and say, we found the solution to homelessness and his family. You know, I've got to be a leader where I'm leading my family. Well, it starts with my own walk with Jesus. It starts in my own home. Yeah. Then it goes to my leadership with my team of staff, my second family yeah. <laughs> here at the mission and our team of staff, and then how we do ministry, reconnecting people with their family. Yeah. As you were talking, you know, that it is just that, right? We're made for relationship, bottom line. Mm -hmm. You know, God is our father. We were made to have a relationship with him, intimate, healthy relationship with him and with each yeah. other. And yeah. That is what the enemy has been working over time to dismantle because because that was the original intent, right? That's right. And his number one tactic is isolation. That's right. 
And it's exactly you know, what we said. Yeah. So you go back to the garden and you go back to Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day with their heavenly father in this, this unity. There's no shame. There's no, nothing hidden. There's no separation. And what the enemy does is he, he pulls them away. He separates them and he sows doubt. And that doubt leads them to make a decision because they start to question and doubt the motive and the intention of their heavenly father. Right. Yeah. And I, I say several times on my podcast, the most heartbreaking verse in the Bible is when God says, where are you? When they're hiding from him. Right. And so what you're addressing and probably why there is attack coming yes. is that you are coming in and recognizing that there is broken relationship that needs to be restored. And that is with earthly families and that's with spiritual family. And as those things are healed, then that isolation is removed. Yeah. As those things are healed, shame is broken, no longer has a hold. As the things are removed, bitterness and offense and unforgiveness, all those things start to be healed and restored. And when that happens, the enemy has no, no hold. The enemy has no ground to stand on and so you're marching into the enemy territory that's right you know boldly well i love how you put it and yeah you have such a pastoral heart and depth of wisdom that i've always seen in you and even what you just said is is profound hmm. you know for everybody who's hearing this to hear that yeah. you know i wrote down just as you were saying that is the word isolation identity and individuality yeah yeah we've weird. actually had that conversation that that is especially you think about people on the streets or back to you know the garden of eden and genesis you know who one of our good friends always refers back to that you know garden state that original intent and that original intent was for us to be in relationship yeah Yet everything right now, especially in our current modern society, is to separate yeah. and isolate yeah. and all those things. If we can keep encouraging people to tap into their identity yeah. and their true original intent, maybe that's the, the other I, but also to embrace their individuality. Yeah. That's a big thing, you know, and so... I think um, we're talking about some really powerful things is breaking, completely shattering isolation. Yeah. And doing that with people understanding their identity, their original intent, yeah. and then their individuality and how yeah. God can use that. I think yeah. it's, it's super powerful. Because that isolation is in that place of isolation is where the enemy can just whisper those lies, those whisper, those things that cause you to feel like I'm rejected. I'm not wanted. I have something to be ashamed of. Right. And, you know, Isaiah 61, the messianic prophecy where Jesus says the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to open the prison doors to those uh, who are bound to, and I'm, I'm jumbling the words, but yeah, yeah bring but I'm taking notes. <laughs> yeah. I love this. I'm writing down your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but beauty for ashes, right? That, yeah, that, those amen. are all those things that that is restoration. That is kingdom. Mm -hmm. That is what Jesus died for. Mm -hmm. Not one drop of blood was wasted, right? And it was all for reconciliation of relationship. It wasn't just to escape hell. Yeah. 
and phew, and I get, I die and I get to go to heaven so someday. True. But it, but it's, yeah. it's for to boldly go through that torn veil and to be an intimate, connected relationship with yeah. our loving Abba, and then to experience that here on Earth with with the restoration of family. So you guys are you're standing on the front lines of restoring both relationships. Right. Or all three, really, because it also you have to restore your relationship with yourself to feel that you're worthy of God's love, that you're worthy to be in in relationship with others. You know, my mom uh, was an alcoholic and she died and succumbed to all of that. And it was isolation. It was towards the end. She had retreated from family. She had retreated from God. And she bought hook, line, and sinker the lies that the enemy had told her, that she wasn't worthy, that she wasn't lovable, that she was rejected, that she, that for some reason she wasn't uh, worthy of acceptance and love. And that led to her death. But even in that, God there was redemption and God showed up and demonstrated his love for her, even in the most desolate of places. But Praise that, God. that place of, um, that place of restoration is, is the front line. The front line isn't politics. Yep. The front line isn't whether or not we should wear masks. <laughs> it isn't who's sitting in the office of, uh, presidency here or in any other country. Yeah. The front line is a battle for restored relationship and to to retrieve the lost, stolen mm. hearts and minds of sons and daughters that are so loved by their Heavenly Father. And the fact that these people who society has forgotten and a lot of people just look down on, your team is looking in their eyes and giving them a hug and knowing their name. And handing them a bag with their name on it. Yep. And then the ultimate would be to help bridge that gap and to bring restoration to families. It's pretty beautiful and uh, profound. And, you know, I said this before we started recording too. God has uniquely prepared you for such a time as this. Thank you. For you to stand in the place that um, he's called you to stand and to do it with confidence and joy. It's pretty fun to see. I'm excited about what God's got in front of you guys. Thank you. We, we feel it, you know, and we're excitedly stepping into it. And yeah. at the same time, we need crazy prayer. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's wild. But, you know, that's the beauty of it. And Jeannie, you know this. I tell people, you know, and you, you really stick yourself out there based on your love and relationship for Jesus and what Christ has done, you yeah. know, and and truly trying to live out who Jesus was and care and compassion for others, it's it's hard for. Yeah. But at the same time, there's never a flipping dull moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like that's the beauty of it. I tell people I put my head on my pillow every night and I go, okay, man, that was definitely not a dull day. Yeah. You know, it was wild and how did I even survive that? But Praise God. Yeah. I got to see people's lives changed and kingdom moments. But I think it's really profound. I was just thinking I've made notes on it, you know, just to shatter isolation, I think is that original intent, you know, what God originally intended for us to do. Yeah. Our identity, who we are in Jesus, and then that individuality being willing to embrace the individuality in different ways that God has created each of us. You know, it's so interesting. So powerful. Because, you know, you look at 
Jesus and mm-hmm. his relationship and how he led yeah. the disciples. Yeah. And you see that. Like he interesting. He leads them with such yeah. intimate intentionality based yeah. on who they are. Yes. He leads Peter different than he leads Thomas, different than yeah. he leads John. Yeah. But all with the same amount of love and intentional pursuit, right? Mm-hmm. But with such tenderness and intimate yeah. awareness of their unique needs, you know, even post, you know, pre-crucifixion, post-resurrection, you know, yeah. uh, go tell my disciples yeah. Yeah. and Peter, you know, yeah. Thomas, come here, you know, yeah. but, but with such love, yeah. right. And so much grace. Yeah. And that's what, what you guys get to do. So that's pretty fun. And also on a personal note, yes. I just want to publicly also thank you for, yeah. I'm going to get emotional. That's weird. That's not weird. <laughs> that's me. That's Gina. It's no, Hawaii. But, it's uh, God's country. It's There's God. beauty everywhere. <laughs> but no, like God really used you profoundly to bring a lot of encouragement um, and affirmation to me. You know, I was transitioning, felt God calling me away from a staff position in a church mm-hmm. and being a, almost at the time, almost 50 year old woman yeah. <laughs> in ministry and really yeah. not knowing what, what was next and really struggling to believe or trust my call and my authority and the things that God has in me. And so, you know, even sitting here recording a podcast <laughs> episode, you know, this is going to be for season four yeah, of it. the podcast yeah. and Stockton Ministries is a thing, and we've released projects and everything else. And a lot of that is because of your friendship and encouragement, your willingness to sit down and have coffee with me for an hour for you to say, Gina, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Gina, you need to have confidence and go ask, you know, those things. But, and those were, this is so you, <laughs> I love it. Even as, even as you're interviewing me, I'm yeah. thinking I could never track and bring that spiritual angle in that you did, you know? And I, I, I like, this is, this is perfect. Hmm. And it's beautiful. And you know me, I'm such a fan of communication, you know, yeah. and there's anybody that is hearing this, especially young people that are hearing this, I think they're going to be so profoundly encouraged. Yeah. And so that's why it's so important to have these conversations and just having a recording of it Yeah. that can go on and on for generations. I mean, I know that's yeah. big, you know, even just on your heart. And so yeah. I love it. Thanks. Well, God thank is you. good. God is good. Amen. It's funny as you're even talking, and this is totally a crass or just a funny Paul Gates way of putting it, but you're even talking about your mom and just even that point of being saved. And I love how you talk about how Jesus didn't just do it to, to save us and give us an entry pass into heaven, but he did it to restore broken relationships because that is the original intent. That was the original intent of God and Adam and Eve in the garden was to be in community. And so I was even thinking, Yes, you know, it's not about just getting a hall pass. And we all remember getting a hall pass in school. If yeah. you get a hall pass by yourself and you're walking down the hall by yourself to go to the bathroom, all of a sudden you're going, this kind of sucks going down the hall by myself. Yeah. But if you have a friend that all of a sudden walks out and goes, hey, I got a hall pass too, <laughs> right? You know, and all of a sudden you're like, come with me, go to the bathroom. But then the funny thing is you walk in the bathroom with them and all of a sudden you 
Awkward. Hear him in the stall, and you're going, oh, man, this life together ain't so pretty after all, man, and you're pretty loud, you know? And, man, that smells. And, you know, but but that's the beauty of life, right? And I was just thinking about that image of, of really getting a hall pass and walking down the hall by myself and going, the hall pass was great, but... I don't want to do this by myself. And yeah, all of a sudden that other good. kid comes out and I'm like, Hey, let's go, you know? And, yeah. and so I think that's such a powerful and hopefully that cheesy crass illustration <laughs> is like, that is, I, I just really appreciate that. Yeah. It's really opened that up for me is that is the profound, even the greater profoundness of what Jesus did for us was yeah. just not this entry into heaven, but this restoration yeah. of relationship with god the father but even each other each other and how we got to stick in it with each other and yeah and break down isolation yeah. and be together and there's a power of being together because that is the original intent yeah. so i love it yeah um you know your mom just had a stroke their your parents are living with you and yeah. you can relate to the weight of aging parents and all of that stuff but going to that whole like restoration of relationship you know my my parents were never married i never lived with my dad always had relationship with him, but not your typical father relationship. He was an alcoholic my whole life. And I know that my dad loved me, but we didn't, he didn't know how to be a dad. And he married my stepmom probably 30 years ago. And the two of them, you know, would live 45 minutes away from us and we'd see them maybe twice a year. So they definitely kept us at an arm's length, just not really any relationship. And then Four years, five years ago, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Three years ago when I left the, or almost four years ago when I left the position on staff at the church, we were both on staff at for a time. Yeah. Part of the call of leaving was this journey with my dad and my stepmom asking me to drive down once a week to take him out of the house. I remember that. And... It's so crazy how God brings about that restoration and redemption, because here we are in a situation that was, um, for all intents and purposes, a terrible situation. Uh, Alzheimer's is not a pretty disease. And yet through the process of his decline and caring for him, and then subsequently caring for my stepmom, who I never lived with is not my biological mom. And then her subsequent loss of her eyesight and everything like that, the redemption that has happened and the relationship, I have more relationship with both of them now than I ever had my entire life. And I wouldn't have that had this hard thing not happened. And it's been the hall pass going into the bathroom and it's been stinky <laughs> at times and it's been gnarly. Like yeah, it's been, literally, <laughs> literally it's been, yeah, it's, we won't even talk about diapers. Yeah, exactly. But, um, I won't even talk about last night. <laughs> but, but what a crazy demonstration of redemption and redemption. I say this often, it's not linear. It's not easy. It's often excruciating and yet it's miraculous. Mm. And, that is the thing that I think what you are being able to facilitate, it's been four people and God only knows how many more he has intent for, but those moments and those reunions aren't going to be a Hallmark movie. They're going to be excruciating at times and smelly and painful. 
um, but they're going to be miraculous. And so just God bless you and your team praying for favor and miraculous provision spiritually, emotionally, physically, practically on every level, praying for protection, praying for multiplication. Uh, we didn't even talk about the chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's some amazing things. You got to taste that, the chocolate. There's some amazing, amazing things that, that God's doing yeah. here. But um, yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you for yeah. just being uh, faithful. Thanks for being an encourager. And love Thank you. Thank you. Love you, dude. Love you, too. <laughs> you! <laughs> I don't want us to go um, before just touching on a couple of things. I love how Paul said in the beginning, I'm just going to rock what God gave me. <laughs> and that really goes back to, can you stand and trust and believe who God made you to be, your individuality. Paul kept talking about the importance of individuality and what that really is, is how did God uniquely make you? How did he knit you together? What are the gifts that he's giving you? Because you know what? Nobody can be you. Nobody can stand in your shoes. Nobody can love the way you can and serve the way you can uniquely. And so I just want to encourage you right now, before you go on with your day, stop and consider the uniqueness of you and appreciate how God made you and the things that you can offer. Sometimes we just live in this world that's so overrun with comparison with social media and expectation uh, from the world or others and the most harsh, probably ourselves. But what does it look like to just be entirely confident and comfortable with who God made you to be? and trust His Holy Spirit to empower you. Trust Him to do the heavy lifting, and you can just be His son, be His daughter, and be in relationship with Him and relationship with others. And the other thing I wanted to stop for a moment, I think it's easy when we see homeless people or people who are struggling or just really not able to make forward progress in life. They're overwhelmed, they're broken, maybe they battle addiction. But could we stop for a moment and pray and consider how we can love people well? I love that at River of Life, every employee there knows each of the people they serve by name. They're not just nameless, faceless masses that they're doing their moral obligation of giving them food and that's the end of it. No, they they see them and they know them. They love them. They pray for them and they fight for them. As the stories that Paul demonstrated, not for a paycheck or any recognition, but out of love and understanding and honoring that each one of these people were knit together by God himself. So I would encourage all of us to take a moment to pray, to lean in and consider how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to those that are struggling. 
So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Paul. I thank you for his ministry, and I thank you for your love that extends so far beyond our comfort levels, so far beyond sometimes our capacity. And I thank you that what you can do in and through us goes so far beyond our comfort level and our capacity. God, would you give us willingness and boldness and strength to trust you, to step out in faith and love well. Lord, give us opportunity and that extra little push (laughs) to trust your spirit to move. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Sacred Space Podcast, and I hope that you will go and find out more about River of Life. You can visit them at riveroflifemission.org. You can see what they're doing. You can learn how to get involved. You can donate. Also, they make chocolate, and it's amazing. Chocolateonamission.com is where you can go and you can purchase chocolate grown in the islands, sourced in the islands, made on site at River of Life. They have uh, people they're training and all the proceeds go back into the ministry to serving the homeless people. So I would really encourage you to reach out, say hi, send love, go visit when you go on vacation and be a part of what God's doing there on Oahu. If you'd like to make a donation to support the production of this podcast and other projects by Stockton Ministries, you can click the link in the episode notes or go to our website and hit the donate button in the top right corner. And I forgot to say, I will have the links for the chocolate on a mission and river of life mission in the episode notes as well. And I'm just so glad that you joined us. Have an amazing week and know that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved.